It's September 24, 2014, and welcome to a special edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we are on location at Windward Community College. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. And today we'll be exploring a local program that's seeking out nutritional and pharmaceutical benefits from plants. We'll be spending the full hour here with Dr. Inga White and her former student, now lab assistant, Nyan Stillwell, here at WCC. And there's a lot going on here on the Windward side. And uh, for example, this new program called AgriPharmaTech. And we've got uh, Dr. Inge White and Nyan Stillware here in the lab. And we're going to be talking all about the program. And we want to thank you both for being with us today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm Inge White. Now, you know, what I wanted to first start off uh, basically is, is uh, have you, Inge, tell us a little bit about what the um, AgriPharmaTech program is all about. Okay. Uh, actually, the AgriPharmaTech program is an outgrowth of the academic subject certificate in bioresources and technology, plant biotechnology that we developed about the year 2000. Mm-hmm. And only two years ago that we changed the name from ASC into a CA. CA uh, is an abbreviation of the Certificate of Achievement in AgriPharmaTech. With that AgriPharmaTech program, we have two specializations. Number one is plant biotechnology, and the second specialization is ethnopharmacognosy. And I have Nyan Stillwell over here that <laughs> will be able to explain what the ethnopharmacognosy track students will benefit from this track and what the plant biotechnology track will benefit to these students now, you when know, they when graduate. When you mentioned that word, um, uh, ethnopharmacognosy, that is something new. I tried looking it up, and the first thing that came up was, this is not even in Wikipedia, was a PDF that, that came up. So how would you explain what that ethnopharmacognosy is? Nayan, maybe you can uh, fill us in on that. Well, in this tract, we, we generally focus on producing plant-based bioproducts that have medicinal value or health value um, to us as humans. And um, I guess it's got a specialization with ethnobotany as well, using using native plants or plants uh, from our general region. Mm-hmm. So, Nyan, you're a former student of Dr. White's, and now you're a lab assistant here. And, and I understand you uh, are playing a significant part in one of those two subdisciplines of agropharmatech, the plant biotechnology. So for a student enrolling here at WCC, what does that entail? What would they be interested in coming in, and what do you think they'll have when they leave the program? Well, students coming in generally just have an in- interest in um, in botany, in molecular biology. I know I wasn't really um, up on what that all meant um, at first, but once I got involved in the program, I really found that it's, it's a very diverse field, lots you can do with that. And um, So when you talk about, you know, let's say, um, you know, ethnopharmacognosy, we've heard things like ethnopharmacology, which is what, more... Oh, pharmacology, you're right, talking more about. More in line okay. with sort of like the, the almost, uh, pharmaceutical yes, value, almost, right? Yes, almost, but pharmacology is study of the... Uh, pharmaceutical Mm -hmm. uh, value of the plant plant, and in the end you really find out the active compound of that plant. Mm -hmm. While ethnopharmacognosy is studying of the regional plants and their value, nutritional value as well as pharmaceutical value and we make those plants into a product Mm -hmm. uh, and we do not uh, 
looking for the active compounds, but rather we have the natural compound of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, rather than synthetic compound that you you need to make in in pharmacology is mm-hmm. synthetic drugs, but over here is natural drugs. So so that's pretty interesting. Like, what kinds of uh, products would you be thinking of creating as a result of the plants? Uh, first of all. Every semester when I offer Botany 205, which is called the Ethnopharmacognosy, mm-hmm. the students are challenged to select just one particular plan of interest for that whole semester. So after we select the plan uh, and do the study on that plan, then we have to do our own research. So we do basically antimicrobial value properties of that plan, and we also analyze the vitamin B uh, value of the plants. Once we know the answer of that, then the student will make the bioproducts. For example, the ethnopharmacognosy series number four on kinehe plant or the Spanish needle, mm-hmm. we find out that that plant can kill 98% of bacteria in the mouth. There are three bacteria that we uh, analyze. Uh, they can kill from 95 to 98% of those three organisms. And based on that, we use that plant to make the tooth cleaning powder. And we also have volunteers who consist of our own students uh, to be uh, doing a clinical study for two years. Mm-hmm. And um, we get the result that this compound is much better to be used as our cleaning product for the tooth rather than using toothpaste because the paste itself will become residue in our gum uh, and that can create a nest for the breeding ground for the bacteria but this powder because they are so tiny and each powder has an ability to bind with another organism then when they bind it they become a molecule complex there and then after you swash it out they will come right out immediately the whole bacteria beside they killing those bacteria itself. Now, now you're talking about the Spanish needle which is kind of a common plant that exactly. you find. Exactly. Uh, it's a weed right? Exactly kind of and in this project I always select the common plant so then people will say hey I have this in my yard and mm-hmm. I can use them. Mm-hmm. That is the, the goal and the goal of this agri-pharmatech program is th- there are three goals. Number one, Nayan already mentioned that uh, whoever capable of going further to higher degree institution, they can get their bachelor's degree, master degree and even PhD in the area of uh, biology, horticulture, botany, pharmacy, even pre-med. And we have those graduate going into that direction already. But the second goal is that for whoever want to enter workforce immediately after receiving our certificate, they can enter the workforce. So uh, Nayan will spell out uh, the type of workforce uh, for each specialization later on. And the third goal is if they don't like to be boss around, mm-hmm. they can become agribusiness entrepreneurs themselves. And I have already three graduate that become successful entrepreneur. Right. So part of the prod, um, you know, so like the byproduct of your course is that people start to explore different products that they could create with the plants. You mentioned sort of this uh, uh, replacement for toothpaste. Yeah. And then I'm sure you've explored teas and lotions and soaps and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. So the whole business 
opportunity there. Exactly. And then also with Kinehe is that we make uh, the medicinal soap and we have a person who use it in Alaska and sending a very beautiful statement about the use of our medicinal Kinehe soap. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is again his acne. His acne was flourishing uh, and then he used medication from the doctor and even get the injection, antibiotics and so forth and it doesn't work. But when this person using our soap, it just uh, the the acne is just gone within one day or two days. Mm-hmm. Well, I have three kids coming up into adolescence, so certainly a good and affordable and a natural acne treatment is probably something I'd be interested in as well. Uh, Naya and Inga mentioned, you know, sort of these various pathways, and of course now you came through the program, you're helping in the lab, but I'm curious about your future plans. Which of those pathways are appealing to you, and um, what do you see among some of your fellow students? Part of the objective of the program is to transfer students to higher degree education mm. um, institutions. Um, I have myself is transferred to UH Manoa, um, transferred to the CTAR College. I'm specializing in plant biotechnology. And then so, uh, what, what do you have sort of in mind in terms of uh, going beyond, you know, that field of study? Do you want to go into graduate, uh, you know, sort of postgraduate research or are you going the academic route? Um, I, I plan on doing postgraduate research. Yes, that's correct. And um, possibly, if that's in in my future, maybe into academics as well. Uh-huh. Um, maybe maybe teaching. Yes. So Inga here is unfolding a poster. I yeah. guess you recently gave a poster presentation at a conference. Um, what was the focus of that? What was that presentation that you were able to share? Uh, and tell us a little bit about the conference as well. Well, it's a continuation of a ten-year research collaboration. Um, my part was to further analyze um, an orchid that's been transformed with a gene mm-hmm. to make it resistant to a virus. That's a common virus in orchid nurseries here in Hawaii and around the world. So I presented my research in Ecuador um, at the fourth scientific conference on Andean orchids, um, accompanied by Dr. Inga White. So, Nayan, your your research was focused on orchids, and I kind of want to bring this back to something that I can certainly identify with. I have a coworker that's obsessed with orchids. My stepmother is a member of an orchid society, and they have very serious meetings about these plants. Um, where does your research intersect with just someone who can appreciate the beauty of these plants? Is it trying to preserve the health of the plant or you know, helping a species persevere? Um, or is it moving on to other things? I mean, if you met uh, an orchid collector at Kahala Mall and they said, ooh, you did research on orchids, what can you tell them? Well, that is going to be for the benefit of, of the state, of the, the nursery producers of the, of the orchids in Hawaii here. Um, like Inga said, it's a, it's a high, high product or high value business here in the state. So... Um, and to encourage uh, encourage that kind of business is, is so, great for us. So yeah. I'm kind of curious, is the what you discover, is it applicable across a number of different orchid species or, or just one species? And how does it sort of transcend the, let's say, the plant that you're studying? Once we be able to approve, to, to prove that we can do it in BLC, uh, orchid, mm-hmm. we can do it in any other okay. orchids because the protocol are about the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can always modify that. Uh, speaking about uh, the orchid interest in the world, we try here in Hawaii through this program not only the plant biotechnology research. That's why the ethnopharmac 
cognacy come about. As you know, ethnopharmacognacy is not just making the product itself, but also we make food pharmacy. We are having the third series ethnopharmacognacy series on orchid hono hono, and we make hono hono orchid as gourmet meal, and then the. Next series that will be coming out, series number five, is also on orchid, the Vanda Miss Joachim orchid, and I really emphasize that on pharmaceutical of orchid as well as nutraceutical of orchid, the the dietary, the the health benefit from this orchid mm-hmm, plant. Mm-hmm. So uh, here we have the orchid in Hawaii. Almost everybody know orchids in Hawaii. Their grandma, grandpa uh, growing it. All they know about orchid is the beauty of it, mm-hmm. but we are trying to make not just appreciating orchid from their beauty, but also from the other value, the side of the value, either edible value or either medicinal value, anything you can name it. So then, the entrepreneurial seed can flourish on orchid. I definitely like the entrepreneurial spirit, and I liked what you were saying about toothpaste and acne soap. Um, and I know right now, Nyan, your focus is to finish your degree and to get get through that, and certainly no small achievement. But I'm wondering, um, when you look ahead, now that you have have this real-world experience, this research experience, in 10 years, um, do you see yourself in a pharmacological startup? <laughs> do you see yourself working on the business side, or do you want to continue in the research vein uh, moving on in the long term? Well, sure, I hope to be involved in uh, maybe even both. Um, um, I'm really concentrating on my degree right now, but um, who's to say where I'll go afterwards? Um, This program is very diverse, um, which is one of the reasons I really like uh, learning about this kind of thing is um, you don't have to just go straight for one one thing. You can can go in many different directions and it gives you a lot of options uh, if you do decide later that you want to go in another direction. You know, I, I, you know, we're actually in a lab here at the Windward Community College, and and uh, Nayan, you're one of the uh, sort of lab specialists here. What is it? What is your sort of typical day like here at at Windward? I know you're primarily focusing on your, you know, your uh, the degree at at Manoa, but you spend a lot of time here doing research and helping with probably Dr. White's classes. What is your typical sort of involvement with students here? Well, I help support the microbiology classes um, offered here at Winburg Community College. Um, so anything from lab prep to lab cleanup, um, biohazardous waste disposal, and... Um well, I got to say, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm always excited when I get to go to a facility with a biohazard sign on the door. I guess I'm a little worried, but I'm also a little excited. Um, is there a piece of equipment here, I mean, as a gadget you know, freak myself. I'm kind of curious about the technology that's new. I mean, is there something here that that uh, really stands out to you that you enjoy working with? Uh, I haven't personally worked on it yet, but one of the most interesting things I would have to say is uh, we have a um, nutrient analysis machine um, that's specifically um, used by our program, and it's for analyzing the vitamin content of our research plants um, to give us a better idea of... Um, what they have to offer us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So rather than uh, putting a piece, a plant in your mouth and sort of judging it that way, this can give you probably the nutritional facts that you're looking for. A little for. bit more accurate. That's correct, yes. Now, now Dr. Uh, White, you mentioned something about a, a blaster, like a gene blaster. I mean, tell me about that. I, I know I didn't get the name right, but what did you call it? 
We have a gin bombardment, what they call a gin gun. A gin uh, gun. Yeah. Now that's getting me a little excited. <laughs> uh, did, ha, has Nayan, have you worked with this gin gun? Um, no, I haven't. Uh, the the research, research that I have done um, did incorporate that uh, piece of equipment into the research. So... Um, so yes, in a, in a way. Uh-huh. Well, I want you to, Dr. Uh, White, ex- describe what does a gene gun do? What happened is that we have the clone of interest that are under study. This clone has been maintained aseptically, and we want to bombard the gene of interest to that clone. So then this clone receiving that gene of interest, and in this case, the gene of interest is... Uh, the protein code of the virus itself, the Cymbidium mosaic virus. Mm-hmm. So once they accept this gene, they become uh, resistant to that virus disease when this clone becomes an adult plant. That's the idea. So the gene gun does is that we uh, have the DNA, we have that particular cutoff of the DNA of gene of interest, and then in the liquid, special liquid, and we pipette that, mm-hmm. and we put it in a special uh, 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 spatial, uh, uh, container? Not container, but it is part of the gene guide mm-hmm. itself. Mm-hmm. And then we run it with helium gas with a certain uh, 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 pressure. And then once the pressure goes up to a certain degree, and then bang, it just like a gun, it just... Uh, uh, those particle in that uh, those DNA particle will be blasted all the way into the clone, uh-huh. each individual clone underneath there. Well, you know, it's great to be in a laboratory and see some of the equipment, and um, you've been kind enough to show us around some, Dr. White, but I think that we want to get out now and kind of look at some of the other things that you have to show here on the campus of Windward Community College. So we'll take a short break and head out to the garden right outside of uh, Dr. White's office here at Imi Loa. We are again talking to Dr. Ingo White and Nyan Stillwell about a new curriculum called AgriPharmaTech, and we'll learn more about how students can create new products from common backyard plants. And of course, our show is pre-recorded, and we're on location here at Winward Community College, so we won't be taking any calls, but we'll be right back to visit the garden. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Hawaii Public Radio provides me with that mix of news, intelligent commentary, and music that enables my life here in Hawaii to feel complete. I support Hawaii Public Radio because it's an easy way to say thank you for all that is provided with Hawaii Public Radio to the people of Maui. Member supported Hawaii Public Radio. Radio with vision. Listen and see. There are candidate forums aplenty over the weeks before Hawaii votes on November 4th, but how much access will you have to the people asking for your vote? Next on Town Square, CD1 GOP candidate Charles DeJoux steps into the studio for a live one-hour conversation that includes you. Join us Thursday at 5 for Town Square. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum, and we're on location here at Windward Community College, and we're talking to Dr. Inge White and Nyan Stillwell, and we're actually in the garden, so we're going to get a quick tour of uh, all the plants that Dr. White uses for her uh, uh, agropharmatech. 
That's right. Uh, it's really nice to, a nice change to be out of the studio here in the field. Uh, and so, Inga, give us a sense of where we're standing. We are on the campus of WCC, just off the main road, but right across the street from your office. But already it seems like we're in a different world. We are in the bioprocessing medicinal garden complex. It's called a complex because this area here consists of three sub-facilities. The garden itself is the one that we are in right now. And the garden has a collection of plants from Asia, the Pacific Islands, as well as America. The plants that we are selected to grow over here are the medicinal plant as well as nutritious plants from those areas. And then the second facility is the one with the white uh, en uh, enclosure there, that is the uh, aquaponic system. Mm -hmm. And then the third one, the one looks like a container over there, is uh, our lab, and it's called the uh, bioprocessing uh, facility. So it makes up of these. BMGC, or the Bioprocessing Medicinal Garden Complex. Well, you mentioned nutrition. I, I think we're part of the nutrition as well with some of the mosquitoes, but they're, they're not so bad just yet. Now, before the break, we were in uh, a classroom in a laboratory, and now we are out in the field among the chickens and mosquitoes, as I mentioned. Nyan, I have to ask you, uh, as a participant in this program, uh, what do you prefer, the sterile yet air-conditioned laboratory environment or out here where it's dirty and full of life? <laughs> um... Well, I can't lie, I prefer the inside, of course, um, nice and cool, but I definitely enjoy coming out to the garden. It's great to have both, best of both worlds. So, yes. No, so, so Nayan, um, are there any tasks that you are assigned to do here in the garden? I generally maintain um, what I can. I know I'm kept busy most of the time uh, working in the laboratory, um, ordering new equipment and um, materials and stuff like that to keep our program running efficiently. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I definitely get out here from time to time and um, really get a lot done. So, what, yeah. digging, digging weeds and, and what, clearing, clearing some of the foliage? Chasing chickens? Yes, I, um, I pull weeds by hand. We don't use any herbicides or pesticides here, so everything's done by hand. Everything's organic. And um, our compost is basically our fertilizer. Mm -hmm. All right, so Dr. White, um, we are here, we are mobile, thanks to engineer Jason Taglianetti. So why don't you show us some of the plants that uh, you're working on here in this garden? Okay. The first ethnopharmacognosis series was on sweet potato leaves. And uh, you can see under the papaya tree is the leaf right there. And the leaf is very good in killing the bacteria that cause sore throat as well as uh, coughing. And so you can make tea. You can also use the in the soup as well as uh, you can stir fry it. Uh, I have done that for two years. I make it into soup. Every night I eat this leaf uh, in the soup for two years and, and I never catch cold. And I always be close together with the student, especially when they are looking through the microscope. And I don't catch cold anymore after eating this leaf. And then the second plant... Uh, is the honohono grass. It is very common plant uh, in the garden, and they grow like crazy. Uh, but one of the students, when they come to Botany uh, 205, which is the ethnopharmacognosy class, and I asked them, what kind of plant are you guys interested in? And he said, I come back from Iraq twice, survive. But the first thing that I do not like is to see my friend dying in front of me because of uh, profuse bleeding. Aha, uh -huh. so why don't we look for a plant that can coagulate the blood 
in a hurry. So we asked all the students to do searching for that kind of plan. And we know that in Hawaiian pharmacopoeia, uh, traditional Hawaiian medicine, they use this honohono grass to stop bleeding. So we did clinical study. The students become guinea pigs. They put, uh, pick their, their, their fingers and let the blood out. And oh, we have wow. a special uh, gadget. Is that what Nyan is here for? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And so it, it proved that they coagulate within a second, split mm-hmm. second, even much faster than any drug that you put in. So we make the powder and then you ask, uh, make it sterilized into a pouch. And then when you have, st- when someone get injury, all you need to do is like a bandage. You just use that bandage and close it like this. So then the blood will coagulate. So, yeah. so uh, Dr. White, how long have you been actually cultivating this garden? I mean, there's a lot of plants here and, and I think a lot of it has some nutritional and, and pharmaceutical value, but you've been selectively growing these plants and how long have you been you know, sort of tending this garden? We opened up this uh, BMGC in 2007. This area here before was just a lowland with mud mm-hmm. and full of this honohono grass and all kind of weeds. And uh, one of my colleagues said, there is nothing you can grow in here. Yes, I think I can. So we prove it and everything grow profusely actually after that. Yeah. So we have cultivated this plant uh, some of them grow naturalized, and I love that naturalized plant because it already proved to us that they like this condition. When they like this condition, they grow very well. It means that that is the medicine for us. And some of them, we planted that uh, because we selected the plant. For example, the noni, uh, we, we want them over here. Some of the tangerine, we want them over here. Uh, and this one over here, I also grow them, and they are profusely. This plant, Sabrina, uh, will have a lot of value. And in one of the articles I read that uh, they have the potential to cure cancer. So this is another plant of interest for us in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, now, one of the um, books that you published was on the Spanish needle. And uh, can you kind of point out where that's growing in the garden? Okay, this is Nyan's, uh, uh, Nyan's uh, expertise there because he is the one who make the powder all the time. Mm-hmm. So Nyan probably can show where they are. How do they look? Well, do they you want to take us there? Or? I want to take yeah. a picture. Follow me, you guys. All right, so we've ventured deeper into the garden, and I would tell you that to someone like me who knows nothing about plants, I feel like we've just sort of walked into my backyard (laughs) and an overgrown, uncontrolled mass of plants, which might be dismissed as weeds. So So what, Dr. White is pointing out uh, sort of a fence that has all the Spanish needles sort of overgrowing the fence, but it looks like a really healthy sort of patch of of, uh, this uh, Spanish needle. Yeah, so um, what I usually do is I don't um, trim back these plants too much. We harvest and let the plants keep, um, keep growing in their natural state, um, which they keep seeding and regrowing. Um, and we also, like I mentioned, we don't use pesticides or synthetic fertilizers. So in a way, these plants are as natural as they can be, and they'll give us the best result when we do our lab research. So they're going to give us a, a result like they would be 
um, as if we found them in the in the wilderness or. Now, Dr. White mentioned, you know, with the coagulant for blood, basically making students bleed as a part of that test. We've talked about soaps for acne and toothpaste. And now you're saying putting the Spanish grass, which again, to an untrained eye, which would be me, looks like a weed. And now I'm thinking, OK, now my backyard is a pharmacological um, <laughs> wonderland, not a weed infested backyard. Um, did you test any of these recipes? Have you eaten um, Spanish grass in any dishes? Um, yes, I have. Um, every year at Ho'olaulea here at Windward Community College, um, our students prepare medicinal dishes uh, with the plants that they harvest here from the garden. So, so yes, um, students have made delicious meals, and uh, we do share those um, at, at, our, at our events. You know, one of, one, of the, uh, one of the recipes I'm looking at right here is, uh, wow, look at this. It's a Spanish needle ginger lemon sorbet. Did oh, yeah. You, did you try that? No, unfortunately. Oh, I wish, well, I wish. delicious. And, <laughs> you know, in the heat of the sun in this garden, I, I'm, I'm thinking this is exactly what I need. <laughs> All right. Well, we are standing next to it, and we're talking about its uh, nutritional value. Mr. Uh, Bert Lum here has actually put the Spanish weed in his mouth. How would you describe the flavor of this plant? <laughs> well, you know, it's actually uh, pretty good. And there's one recipe in here that I would actually try, which is the... Um, it's poke with, it's like ahi poke with uh, iramona and, and uh, some sliced, you know, like diced uh, mm -hmm. Spanish needle. And, mm -hmm. you know, the, the leaf actually um, doesn't have a strong taste, so I think it would actually add to the flavor of the poke. Yeah, I personally like, um, I like the flavor of it. We do make it into an organic medicinal tea as well. Mm -hmm. I think it tastes almost exactly like green tea, which is delicious, and it gives a lot of um, medicinal value as well. Very cool. Well, I want to see what else there is to see here in this garden. The next project for the Ethnopharmacognosy Series 5 is the Vanda Miss Joachim. That's why we planted all these tree over here, yeah, all, all this orchid. And it's been researched only one semester, and I need two more semesters to complete our study. Yeah, so I cannot really tell you that much, but uh, the study that we did last semester was that they can actually kill the Helicobacter pylori that cause the uh, peptic ulcer. Yeah, that's a good news on that. Well, can you describe this? I mean, it looks like the kind of orchid that uh, my mom has in the front yard. Exactly. Is it a common one or a popular one? Very popular in the 50s. And you know that people in Hawaii using them for lay. Mm. And at that time, one cutting costs you $10 and people buy that and then eventually after we have so many different lays and especially the orchid dendrobium from Thailand then this guy lose their value and anything yeah and so uh, about 10 years ago uh, I tried to use the flower to boost up uh, the uh, value again so I bring this plant uh, to uh, the gourmet uh, chef uh, Alan Wong Mm -hmm. and asking him to make some uh, stuff in there. So he made three meals, uh, and I presented that meals at the World Orchid Conference in Vancouver. And then over here, every year we have the sister college from Sikoku Island coming in. Several occasions when they came in, I make tempura, and they were just giggling. And then I also make chocolate. I dip this flower into chocolate, and then you can chew that. And so nutritional value of this guy is very high in protein. And then we have not done the vitamin B uh, analysis yet. 
until next spring. When you're examining an orchid for its um, value, either pharmaceutical or nutritional, is the focus primarily on the flower or are you looking at every part of the plant? Every part of the plant. Uh, the leaf is the one that kills bacteria, Helicobacter pylori, and the flower is the edible part that we can eat. So when Alan Wong puts an orchid on your plate, it's not just to make it pretty anymore? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, in fact, it's so delicious. He tried the leaf, uh, he tried the flower first before he made it into a meal. Uh, he was making the three meals in less than 15 minutes. Now, this is a, an interesting sort of growing arrangement you have here. You have these uh, stumps that are being used as uh, the frame for these orchids. Normally, these orchids would be kind of in a in an orchid shed or something and maybe there'd be some stilts that they would grow up yeah. but you've kind of have a makeshift of of these stumps and and you're using them to propagate upwards yes orchid is with the aerial roots doesn't require anything much uh, because they get all the nutrient from this the the rain mm -hmm. and if they get into the bottom portion here we have the mulching over here so they might get some nutrient from the mulch as well but the bottom side of this orchid root is not as active as the top part so we don't spray with pesticide we don't spray with fertilizer but we just depend on the condition of the windward side that's what we want to prove the plan and the product that we have is strictly from windward side. If you take this plant to another side and grow them, their value might be different. Hmm. Yeah. Because of the growing conditions. Exactly. The growing conditions. Exactly. And even the light, uh, when you harvest the plant for, for studying stuff, uh, trying to get the, uh, the, the best medicinal content of the plant, it has to be picked on a certain time of the day. So for my mom, for example, when she has it in a pot with something that looks like very expensive orchid potting soil, that would be messing with the kind of chemicals exactly. or the reactions that you're trying to work on. Does there come a point in this research where you do um, start messing with that as a variable to, to maximize perhaps the pharmaceutical value by putting it in a specific kind of soil or putting some kind of chemical in? No, I don't. I don't do that, but I would prefer to look everything is naturally uh, from our garden itself, so then uh, that proved everything there. Yeah, uh, there was one time it happened to me. Uh, I have one student doing research on uh, stake mushroom. She was very successful for about two semesters doing uh, from propagation aseptically, and then now is the time to take that spores out into the mulch. And so when she did that, it, it never grow in the mulch mm -hmm. until one day after the rain finished about five o'clock. Uh, this is on Friday afternoon, and I start to go home, and I spotted this sitake mushroom growing up to one of the five compost piles that we had. So I called her, and she came. We harvest that to prove if that is sitake mushroom that she planted three months ago. And so when we tested that, taste the same and nothing happened to us oh, we, we, we try a little bit right <laughs> so nothing happened and so uh, we talked each other through the phone and we said okay keep this until tomorrow and we tested again and we keep comparing the result and so again no nothing happened okay so i put it back into the the, the microwave container thinking that on sunday oh no on, on monday i will try it again that Sunday afternoon, I make chili, and the leftover chili, I put it in another uh, microwave container next to each other. So by 
Monday morning, without thinking further, I grabbed the wrong one. So I just put the rice in that container, thinking that I have the chili in that container. Mm -hmm. So I bring to school and I eat for my lunch. And then normally my lunch is only like five minutes there. So I eat in a hurry. When I finish, I come to realization and I said, wow, this tastes so good. What is it? And I said, oh my gosh, this is not chili. This is that sitake mushroom. <laughs> and immediately that, after I realized that all of a sudden I developed the tingling sensation. And then I start to get up to call the secretary because I know I'm in trouble. And then all of a sudden, the, 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 the floor was just moving around me. And luckily, I was able to grab the telephone and ask her to come in. So the ambulance was already waiting for me down the road. And I was taken to the castle emergency room. And I was detained from 12 o'clock to 6 o'clock. And so then the doctor said, what did you eat? I said, I know what I eat, but then I do not know the name or scientific name because my, my brain dis, dis, didn't function. And so I asked uh, the guy over here who know where the Kuhilaau is. Mm -hmm. And the book is in Kuhilaau. So I give him the key and he go in there, bring the, the book back. And then I pointed to the doctor, this is the plan right here. And he said, did you ever read it's the little... It's <laughs> <Did> you... <laughs> There is a small little print in there. It said, that, did you grow it in the uh, eucalyptus compost? Yes, it was eucalyptus compost. So that's why you get that sensation, tingling sensation and like this. So what happened is that the mushroom is saprophytic. So they eat everything from the compost. So uh -huh, then like uh -huh, this uh -huh. one, they grow on the compost. They eat on the compost. So our compost has to be the one that is oh, really good. So it was still shiitake mushroom. It was. But it, it just pulled the nutrients from the compost. From the compost. And the compost is toxic. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah. So that is a good story. <laughs> and stupid. <laughs> well, you know, I have to say again, from the, from the testing things that you're cooking to making yourself bleed to now possibly giving yourself an interesting chemical journey <laughs> as a result of your research although you're saying you're working on uh, orchids in a garden in a laboratory it sounds like this is actually a pretty exciting and dangerous line of work correct yes outside is really something that you cannot beat uh, if you need relaxation or meditation this is the place right here to meditate well, your garden is beautiful and we could spend the rest of the afternoon exploring, but right now we'll head into the actual uh, garden shed to continue our conversation with Dr. White and I and Stillwell. We're on location again, so we won't be able to take your calls, but of course we'd love your feedback. You can still email us at feedback at bitemarks.org. You're listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Feeling down, your girl's done left you, and even old blue don't recognize you anymore? If your life sounds like a country song, remember you can rely on Hawaii Public Radio during good times and bad. And now we're relying on you. Keep it tuned to HPR for our fall fun drive starting October 1st. And if you like HPR, you'll love our pledge drives. Each week, New Dimensions explores the social, political, scientific, environmental, and spiritual frontiers with some of today's foremost social innovators, thinkers, scientists, and creative artists. Hi, I'm Rona Renner, author of Is That Me Yelling? Next time on New Dimensions, I'll be talking about how you can yell less and enjoy your kids more. Sunday morning at 11. 
Okay, welcome back. This is Bike Marks Cafe, and we're on location here at Windward Community College. Uh, and I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa, and we are talking to Dr. Inga White and Nyan Stilwell about their new program, AgriPharma Tech. And once again, thanks to the magic of radio and our engineer, Jason Taglianetti, we've changed location, we've changed venue, someplace cooler, someplace quieter. It's the tropical, uh, let's see, the tropical plant and orchid identification facility. Um, Inga, you said don't call this room a library. I do see a lot of books, but it's not a library, so what is it? Well, this room is actually called Kuhilaau, the plant identification or plant, topical plant and orchid identification facility. It is not a library because it is not just book collection in there. It has manual, graffiti, and also herbarium specimen as well as dissecting microscope. So it's like a lab by itself. So Dr. Wade, I mean, I do see bookshelves, almost books that look very old, very rare perhaps, about orchid identification. Um, You said this is the second such facility in the world. Um, What's the first? Actually, this is the second in in United States. Uh, The first one is in Marie Selby Botanical Gardens. And I was lucky when I, in 1978, when I almost finished my PhD, uh, my mentor sent me to that garden. So in there, I learned how to identify orchids uh, through three mentors, Dr. Datsun, Dr. Lur, and Dr. Kaptan. Those three are the best taxonomists at that time in the United States. So I learned from them. And after that, I said, okay, if I come back to Hawaii and work, and get the job as a teacher. I want to develop that. So I came in and get the job at Windward Community College in 1983. Since that time, I asked my students who are really interested in botany to start preparing herbarium specimen because someday I said, we will have one like Sarasota. So it became reality about 12 years ago. So. We have just a small little room where we just moved into this new building, and I requested the uh, department chair as well as the provost at the time to give me uh, one little room uh, to set up for Kuhilaau. So I got that room, all right, and then at that time we already have a lot of herbarium prepared by previous students already. And then we were lucky because anything involved with orchid, we have such a tremendous orchid growers in terms of numbers, as well as their enthusiasts and everything in Hawaii. So we were lucky to have their support. And one of the biggest supporters for Kuhilaau is Mrs. Jean Inoue and her husband. Uh, They both uh, passed away already, and they donated a lot of books for us. Uh, And the books are uh, so valuable because it's not uh, be reprinted. And so, and I was also lucky uh, uh, knowing several of the uh, important botanists. Uh, so these are the botanists also donating the book. Uh, and I would also say uh, we are supported through the grants that I have, USDA grant for the past 14 years. So the grant supporting me to purchase a lot of books as well. So when I returned from South Africa uh, last night, my bag is loaded with books. I forgot that I have such a little bag to carry, and uh, I'm no longer young, and 
and the book is there already, so not nobody can help me to carry that. And I was struggling 34 hours uh, on the plane, and then moving around to transfer with that heavy book. But uh, the book is really good from Africa, orchid from Africa, as well as the plant from Africa that will be able to use it for identification. So the kuhilaau is used by my botany 160, the plant identification class, and also. Botany 105, the ethnobotany class, as well as ethnopharmacognosy class. That book collection in there is not just orchid, but also tropical plants and medicinal plants as well. So, so you know, if you were to look uh, at this room, I mean, it is chock full of books, and and uh, there's you know new books and and very old books, and you know the, the I guess the old ones are the ones that are locked away. But you also showed us a filing cabinet that had a number of uh, uh, articles and, and a, sort of a, a whole category of orchids that you've been sort of collecting readings from over the years and maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, for identification of orchid species, the uh, the key is really not much of the manual. Manual is the book of certain country mm-hmm. uh, because that book was written by the author many, many years ago and every time the taxonomical name keep changing and so uh, the, man, uh, the the monograph and the refugee are the one that you are referring to in the file cabinet is a lot of importance in there. Uh, what we do is that every time when the taxonomist uh, uh, writing an article about the new species, the new species were not found in any manuals, but in that article that this person are writing. So it's so important for me to gather that material, the article, and put it in the file and then arrange them alphabetically according to their genus. Now, Inga, you talked about struggling carrying these rare books back from Africa and these uh, documents that need to be preserved and curated. And it makes me wonder, I mean, as a nerd, um, what work is being done to perhaps convert all of these rare documents, these heavy books on your back, into something electric, something scannable, perhaps searchable? Is that something that the global orchid community is working on as well? It's a very good suggestion. And in fact, for a long, long time, I've been thinking about it. But then if anyone be able to do that for us, I would be so happy because then a lot of people will be able to use all the books all over the world. Uh, But again, it might be uh, an issue of uh, copyright, yeah? But someone tell me that any book uh, older than certain certain year do not recognize the copyright, so you might be able to do so. Uh, my question is that as old as 200 years old book, if you digitize them, would they actually be damaged? That's my question. Well, you know, I think there's um, digital archive sort of procedures that are taking these old books and actually digitizing them. So I think there's a process that will protect the book but still get it into electronic form. So you should mm-hmm. should consider that and maybe even go for a grant to uh, get some you know get some money to actually digitize all the collections yeah. that you have. Another question is that if we digitize the old book, the value might be no value to the old one. And there are some people who use this old book as a means of antique. So whether I will jeopardize that value or not, I have no idea. So I have to do a lot of research on that uh, as well. 
uh, as you know, orchid world is a business area, business world. And I cannot decide on one thing without knowing the other. So I have to be super careful on that. Well, certainly concerns about copyright, the value of the printed rare book when it's made digital and things like that are are things that uh, all industries are struggling with all at the same time. Yes. So certainly you wouldn't be alone. Yes. Now, Nayan, um, when you were a student or perhaps now as a lab assistant, do you spend a lot of time here in the uh, identification facility? Um, not right now. Um, most of my time is spent uh, preparing um, and keeping keeping our program running smoothly. But um, yeah, we encourage more people to take advantage of our facility and our, our knowledge of, of, of the plants. So... Well, you've talked yeah. about, uh, Dr. White talked about specimens, and you showed me a little jar containing what looked like an orchid flower. I mean, how many of these, I mean, specimens are you trying to maintain? Is this something that you put together or that you had some experience uh, uh, curating? Um, I personally didn't, didn't uh, create these wet herbariums, uh, but there's approximately 100, 150 in our, our one-file cabinet that we keep along with the facility. Um, and we also have a number of dry herbarium in the, in the facility as well to refer to. So what's the benefit of keeping it, uh, I guess you said you call it wet versus dry? So it's a, a flower suspended in, you know, a fluid of some kind. Um, what does that do for you versus just looking it up and getting a picture in a book? Well, for example, the dry herbarium, they're pressed so they're flat. The wet herbarium, um, they're still in their natural form. Um, they can be They can be examined for their for the three-dimensional shapes um, compared to the, the dry herbariums. Uh, but also you can, um, you can take them out and um, maybe do some dissections to, to track down exactly well, what's the morph morphology of the plant. Now, uh, Dr. White, now, you know, we've been kind of carrying around this uh, platter of various kinds of products that have been created from your studies. And uh, uh, maybe you can give us a you know, little bit of a description of what it is that we have here because there's some interesting assortment of things everything from like the acne soap and uh, I think a little bit of the uh, Spanish needle brush uh, I mean like tooth powder and organic sweet potato tea I, I want to try some of that but tell us a little bit about, about this and, and there's probably a whole entrepreneurial program that I think results from your uh, agropharma tech and you know that's a whole nother topic that we haven't really talked about. Yeah, students are very excited about making this product because number one, not only that they are able to do it from their own research, they make this plant-based product, but also the entrepreneurial business behind that is very intriguing to them. Uh, for example, uh, last semester in about two months, uh, they get 300 orders from people on the campus alone. Mm -hmm. And there are some other orders from outside uh, campus that we cannot even uh, uh, fulfill? fulfill them right now. Uh, so when they prepare this product and receiving those amount of money, they get excited and then they can also learn which one that the people wanting, which one that is selling the most and which one is not and so forth. So. That alone uh, is a way of uh, learning the business. And of course, in the end, they should continue on learning the marketing business and so forth. Yeah. But this is just the beginning. 
So one of the things that you stressed was plants that are already growing, grants, plants that are healthy or thriving in an existing environment, and certainly you're, you're dealing with natural products, products that you're not doing pesticides or anything specific to it. So the other upside, I think, to this tray of marketable products is that there's, it's not like you're going to deal with patents on genes. You're not going to be dealing with uh, special formulas of this and that. Um, it's more how well you can convey the value of it and perhaps how well you can grow it that would determine your success. Is that true? I mean, basically, anybody would probably have access to the raw ingredients to produce these kinds of products. Correct. And all of those plant-based products that we made is based on the plant that we have already done research on. So we published the Ethnopharmacognosy series. There are four publications already, and so we use that four plants. And we already know their antimicrobial value as well as their nutritional value. So it's easy for us to prepare that. For example, the sweet potato leaf over there, we make into tea because uh, they can actually boost up our immune system. They can also kill pathogen in the throat. Uh, so we can make the tea to function that way. Now, Nyan, you know, this identification center with all its rare books and uh obscure articles and you're using it to identify plants, identify orchids, but it's not just for these specialized uh, communities in Hawaii or even around the world. Um, you do also offer an identification service to the public, correct? Can you uh, tell people a little bit about that? Um, yes, that's correct. Uh, I believe it's uh, 9 to 5 every day. Um, the public's encouraged to come down and we have a sign-up sheet, um, put your contact information and we will we will get back to you once we refer to our materials, um, and we'll give you an answer to what what specific type of plant you have. So people just bring an orchid down, or I mean, what's what? How broad is it? I mean, hopefully someone's not going to bring a pet down. But uh, <laughs> what are some of the things that you've helped people identify? Well, for example, if you have an orchid that's flowering, uh, we encourage people to bring in the flowering orchid because the flower is the is the most defining factor of an orchid. Um, without the flower, hey, it, you know, it might be this one, it might be that one. But if you, if, if you have the flower, you can identify its morphology. We can refer to our manuals, and we can, we can nail that guy down. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, excuse me. The only point. thing that we cannot identify is if this is an orchid hybrid. So we refuse to ID that. Now, that how plant. would you determine whether it's a hybrid or, or not? I mean, can you... Can you sort of get a sense as to the yes, original we can. species? And Very easy, yeah. As an orchid person, the moment you see a, a plant with a flower, you pretty much understand what they are. Yeah. Now, in your um, plant identification class that you, you mentioned, uh, what kinds of, are you talking about the whole range of plants, or are you focusing primarily on orchids? We have two classes, two different classes. One is an orchid class, and they will identify the orchid, of course. And then the other one is Botany 160, the plant ID class, and that one is identifying all the tropical plants. That's why the Kuhilaau has a name, tropical plant, and orchid identification facility. Mm-hmm. So two things there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Now, you know, your, your program, the AgroPharmaTech, um, recently got, uh, I guess, accepted, as you had mentioned early on in, in uh, our interview. Um, was that a long road? To get to that point where you know all the people said in agreement, yes, this is a, a bona fide curriculum that we want to yeah. you know, maintain here. Within two years after the ASC becomes CA, 
in AgriPharmaTech. Within two years, we were under professional year, and then we have to prove to the Board of Region that this program is producing a lot of students, and so uh, we have proven that in two years. And it is a long way and very challenging because the AgriPharmaTech program is a multidisciplinary uh, program, and and. Within the botany and microbiology classes itself, under my discipline, there are a number of them, and I created four of them, very different that nobody have ever uh, developed that classes. So, in order for me to receive the student who come into the program is a big challenge because I can only recruit student when they are taking my classes. That way, I know them. I know the capability of each students, and so I also talking to them, person to person, understand what is their motivation and all. Yeah, and once I know that they are motivated, then they uh, agree that they wanted to come into the program, and I will nurture them until they finish. Well, we're talking with uh, Dr. Inge White. She's a professor of botany over at Windward Community College and uh, is uh, officially kicking off the AgriPharmaTech. And, of course, Nyan Stilwell, and he's now a, a graduate of uh, Dr. White's program and now a student over at UH Manoa in uh, the College of Tropical Ag and Human Resources. And we want to thank you both for joining us today and inviting us out to Windward thank Community you. College. Thank you. And thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. If you missed any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can email us at feedback at bitemarks.org. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. And you can follow me at Hawaii. Our intrepid engineer here on site is Jason Taglianetti, and our executive producer is Beth Ann Kozlovich. And we leave you with our song pick of the week. Here's a band called Abbey Buffalo and a song called Remember Last Time. See you next week.